0: Now that we've built up the business quite a bit, we've been able to get referrals, but in the beginning, it was, again, it was just doing that, that cold email marketing and it was easy to get clients and it was a little scary changing from saying, oh, we work on commission to now we're working on this high ticket service. And then at the beginning of this new year, we changed all the previous clients that were on commission over to this high ticket package. And I think we sold like 15 or so clients on that commission. I think three of them stuck with us, but again, it was just way better for the business
1: What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Trevor Oldham from Podcasting You. Today, we're talking about the business of podcasting. Trevor's a young guy who has built a really cool business around podcasting, not hosting podcasts, but providing a service related to podcasts. And if you're not in the podcasting space, you're not actively going on interviews, you're not hosting a show, you know, speaking from my own experience before I did, just don't, it's hard to appreciate how much there is happening behind the scenes and uh, really how much money there is to be made and how much value there is to be created here. So that's what we're talking about today. He's a young guy who, like I said, has built a really cool business, is doing very well. And I think there's a lot of great things ahead of him. So that's what we're talking about today. If you're somebody who, you know, you want to build a, an interesting high-end online business. This is a one for you. You know, you're going to learn some things here. Learn about uh, how to build that business, how to staff it up, how to keep yourself accountable, how to find the right people, how to find a niche, how to make it happen. All great things. And uh, this is cool, man. This is this is cool stuff. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm your host Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. I love learning things about entrepreneurship and new businesses and all those great things. Trevor's built a cool business that helps real estate investors get on podcasts like mine. I get so many emails from people like uh, like Trevor, like people who work for Trevor, bringing new guests to the show. We don't talk about it on the show, but that's on the back end, and they're providing a service that they're charging for and doing quite well. Really interesting and uh, very cool great way to make some money. If you'd like to learn more about entrepreneurship, this is one for you. Without any further ado, here we go with the interview. Trevor, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Taylor. Excited to be here. Hey, I'm happy to talk with you. You run a a pretty cool business and I think there's even more opportunity in the space uh, from what I see. But uh, for the listeners, who don't know about you and don't know about what you do? Can you tell us about your background and uh, your business, please?
0: Most certainly. So I run a business called Podcasting You, so Podcasting Y O U. And what we do, and what we saw in the podcast space, is if you have ever listened to a podcast and you and there's guests on those podcasts, like we're doing today, and we're, and we're in a, you know Taylor you're interviewing me, and I'm the guest, and, and I'm being on your show. So our company helps other people become podcast guests on podcasts. So people can go out there, they can share their story, they can build credibility, it can generate more leads, more clients, that sort of thing. So it's sort of, I look at ourselves as like a PR firm where instead of us getting you featured on like an entrepreneur or Forbes, or even like your local TV station, we get people featured on podcasts. Awesome.
1: Awesome. And you know, I know the answer to this, but how old are you? I am uh, 23. And in starting this business, what, you know, how, do, what kind of, uh, prosperity, uh, so to speak, has that created in your life?
0: Oh, it's been uh, been very good. And, and I think the best example you I, had I, I mentioned earlier is I graduated college in May 2019. And in September 2019, started paying off my loans. And by September 2020, I was able to pay off my entire loans. And it wasn't a little small amount. It came out to uh, $91,795.10 in and, and my student loans. And I think it was pretty cool. I, I went when I made my final payment it was on September thirtieth, twenty twenty. And the first payment I ever made was on September thirtieth, twenty nineteen. Uh, and the reason I waited so long is I put it like in the deferral period because you didn't have to pay till November. And then all of a sudden I realized I was gaining ten dollars a day in interest. And I was like, Well, that's uh that's three hundred dollars a month that I'm basically wasting. Let me let me jump start the <laughs> let me jump start the loans. And, and that's really what the business accelerated um pay off my loans. I mean, I've had people ask me how it's done and they can't really wrap their minds around it, but the business I started podcasting you, yes, it was 2019 where it really started to accelerate. But I had launched it in 2017 wow. out of my dorm room. So I mean, it took you know a good two and a half, three years to get to a point where I was making good money. The- That's awesome, and I think from the outside, you know, folks out there who uh,
1: don't appear on podcasts or don't host a podcast, um, you know, kind of speaking from my own experience before I got into it, it's hard to appreciate um, how much there is on the back end of. Mm-hmm. Podcasting, whether it's networking with guests or editing, putting up the show notes or hosting, marketing—all of those things. There is so much opportunity uh, for money to be made in the business. What sparked it for you? What led you to, you know, start this business?
0: So to go back a little bit, I was—I had previously ran a company, and with that company, I had wrote blog posts for people. I had started my own podcast, where I was interviewing entrepreneurs and. Kind of got burnt out after a little while. I just started freelancing. I picked up freelancing gigs that I knew how to do, which consisted of editing people's podcasts, writing blog posts. And one day I came across someone that it was a turnkey real estate investor out of LA, wanted to get booked on podcasts, and hadn't ever booked anyone on podcasts. I thought to myself, well, I booked some clients, I booked some guests on my own show, some entrepreneurs. How hard could that be to get her booked on shows? After about six months, I realized I could get you know the, my time was probably worth about a hundred dollars per hour, which is what I was getting paid. I think you know, I was charging fifty dollars per podcast booking. I was getting about two per hour, so about a hundred dollars. Write a blog post about one hour, get a hundred dollars, or work six to eight hours and get a hundred dollars. So, continue kind of stopped editing people's uh, podcasts, stopped editing people's blogs, and and really just went more full time into getting people booked on podcasts and. Again, I continued the freelancing skills of, I would just go back to the well and I used a site called Upwork and it was through Upwork every day. I would just go on and look for people that wanted to get booked on podcasts and just kept applying. And and over time, I sort of built up my profile on Upwork to be like the sort of the guy that gets you booked on podcasts. And I wouldn't apply to any other jobs other than that. And for the first year, I didn't even have have, uh, any employees. I didn't even have a website. I had no other marketing strategy other than just strictly going on Upwork and finding clients.
1: Interesting. So you were on Upwork as uh, a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't even know people put out jobs their their job postings for people who want to get on podcasts, saying, "Hey, help me get on podcasts."
0: Yep, there there are. So I I scour it probably once a week. Still, I go on there, and now you know my my niche is more targeted down to real estate investors, entrepreneurs, people in the business space. But I'll still go on there and and tip, and look and see if I can find a client. We got one probably recently, probably about a month or two ago where we found someone on there and I pitched him our services and he became a client of ours. He, was a, he happened to be a real estate investor. I find that more often than not, people using those platform like Upwork, they want to get out of it relatively cheap. So like our ticket is more of like a high ticket offer. So someone expects someone to come in and get them booked on 20 podcasts for, you know, $200 where like that would probably, you know, 20 podcasts, $200 probably be like I don't know 10, 15, 20 hours of my time. Like the, ma- the math doesn't add up. So it, it's kind of, uh, don't really use that much uh, to find clients anymore.
1: Interesting. That's a that's an interesting insight. And, uh, you know, I want to learn more about kind of the entrepreneurial experience and your scaling the business and, you know, bringing on other people to probably VAs to uh, handle, you know, a lot of the back end and all that type of stuff. And, finding more clients. So, you know, let's dive into that. How about hiring that first person for your business? Uh, When did you do that and why?
0: So this year, this point, I was about a year into my business and I was starting to make probably about thousand, $2,000 a month. Wasn't like, you know, wasn't like making a ton, but I knew that I wanted to scale the business and I wasn't going to be able to do it myself because I could only handle so many clients at a time. Plus I was still in college. So I, I didn't have like all this time I was trying to catch up so I could graduate on time. So I was taking six classes a semester. So I didn't have a, I didn't have all this time in the world. And I also realized, you know, I run a business pitching people to be on podcasts, but I, I don't really like pitching. Like it's not something I love to do. And it's not something that I wanted to do forever. I understood how it worked. I understood how it could make me money, but I wanted to outsource it. And that's, you know, I think I put a job out there. It was a a freelancer. i believe i put it out on upwork as a site that i had used to get the first employee just put a part-time job 10 20 hours hired the hired the individual and just started onboarding clients and then giving them to her and seeing what she could do and then all of a sudden i realized that she was doing a better job than me on, on getting them <laughs> uh, getting, getting them booked on shows and and she was more she was just doing for like for me like in my business like I hate like having to sit down and pitch clients and having to know I have to get them on booked on a set number every week where it's nice where I can hand it off to the team. And that was that first realization with that employee where I realized I didn't have to be in there in the business every day. I could hand it off and then she could take it and, and run with it. That's awesome. That's great.
1: How about, you know, getting new clients and and growing the top line, right? Because in in bringing somebody on, yeah, you're increasing your capacity to, to take on work, increasing the number of hours per day. Uh, that you're generating and that gives you more opportunity to grow your business you know rather working on your business rather than in your business so how did you change from you know outreach and finding people on uh on upwork to uh, whatever you do today how have
0: you changed so a couple of things one made the mistake for the longest time working on commission and what i meant by this is people <laughs> would come to us i would get them booked on a show and then they would pay me. But the problem is, is most podcasts, like they'll sometimes podcast book like a month out, two months out. We even have podcasts that book six months out. So, very, very easy to get clients that way, but poor business model when it comes to making money because I would have to pay my team. And then all of a sudden, I want to get paid for however long until the podcast um, interview happens. So, back in March of this year, I realized that I couldn't run this business forever the way that it was structured. So, I changed to a high ticket service. And with that high ticket service, now we charge between three and five thousand dollars for our clients to work with us. And I found that by charging a high ticket service, the quality quality of clients coming to us are a lot better. The people are a lot more um more experienced, I guess I should say. Because typically, if someone before they were paying us like fifty dollars for a podcast interview, and they would come and do ten, and then they would leave, and they would only pay five hundred dollars, and they typically wouldn't be that experienced. And that really helped us change. And then two, for marketing strategy, we've done primarily up until like last month only cold email marketing so we would go on to shows like the Bigger Pockets real estate podcast and I have a VA and she would just reach out to every guest and say hey I heard you on the Bigger Pockets real estate podcast we have a service that can get you booked on other podcasts if you're interested book a call and then they would schedule a call with myself and then I would you know I would hop on get to know them a little bit better see if our services are fit and that's really how, how I was able to grow the company. Now we've, you know, over the last month, we've experimented with a little bit of Google ads and, and LinkedIn, but pretty much for the entire time of the company outside of Upwork, it's been strictly cold email marketing.
1: Interesting. Okay. What do you think about other, you know, there are other things in the space, other ways to generate sales, if you will. Do you think like an affiliate marketing strategy would work? I'm, you probably thought about
0: it. I would say, yep. I would definitely say so that's something we've actually implemented. So we do like a referral program. So like if mm. people like refer clients to us, we take, we pay them 10%. So it's either like 300 or 500. So that works. So that, you know, that's a good strategy. And then, I mean, we get like, now that we've built up the business quite a bit, we've been able to get referrals. But in the beginning, it was, again, it was just doing that that cold email marketing. And it was easy to get clients. And it was a little scary changing from saying, oh, we work on commission to now we're working on this high ticket service. And then at the beginning of this new year, we changed all of the previous clients that were on commission over to this high ticket package. And I think we still had like 15 or so clients on that commission. I think three of them stuck with us. But again, it was just way better for the business. I'm charging clients up front, so I no longer have to track them down. Because, like, it's the it's the most annoying thing as a business owner when I when I have to track like like I did the work for you. Now all of a sudden I have to go and track you down. I have to email you. And you know, <laughs> I'm sure you you know everyone who's run a business and you've experienced it. It's not the thing that you want to do. So by charging a higher ticket service, having them pay up front, it just makes the business like just so much more enjoyable. So I've had
1: you know I've had a few VAs work for me here and there, and. To be honest, you know, I I struggle with mm, you. I, I hate to say using VAs, but like hiring VAs, you know, being um, as productive as I I'd like, or you know, getting them to stick around. When you find a good one, sometimes they they don't stick around as long as you would like, and things like that. Um, are you still using Upwork? Have you switched to other platforms? Are you getting? How are you like keeping people around? I guess is really what I'm I'm getting at because you once somebody's like yep. good at pitching clients, I mean, you want to hang on to
0: that person, right? Yep, exactly. So generally I'll do a mix of Upwork and then LinkedIn as well. Typically put the job postings both up there. I've started because LinkedIn, you can post jobs for free. So if you wanted to use like Indeed, I think they charge you like two ninety nine a month where LinkedIn, they can charge you for free, which is, you know, it's nice because I don't think I need to pay for it. I think anyone can really, you know, I don't say anyone can do the job that I'm offering, but the majority of you know, people, if they've had any PR experience can probably do it or any experience pitching and crafting pitches, they can do it. So I really just search out that way. And then once I do have an employee, I generally start their payoff a little bit lower than what, probably what they're worth. But then I increase it over time. Once I know that they're good. And once I know that they're good, I'll increase their pay. Like, I don't care if I give them a raise, you know, three months in a row, if they're doing a good job and i will continue to increase their hours. And then I get to a point where I'm like, I want, I want you to work on our team. Full time, and then at that point, you know they they stop whatever whatever else they're doing. But generally, get to the point if they're working like 30 35 hours a week for me, I kind of understand that they're probably only working for me. Um, so again, it's just testing people out. When I take on a new employee, especially when they're managing a client and getting them booked on shows, I typically don't give them more than one or two clients in the beginning because I like to make sure that they're good. Because there have been instances where I've gone through a vetting process, hired someone on a Monday and they tell me on Friday, actually, this gig isn't for me. Um, and the last thing I want to do is introduce them to like five clients. And now, you know, it just makes our company look bad. So it's sort of like doing like a, a 90 day trial period, making sure the employee is doing a good job. You know, the job is very, it's very simple, but it's like, you got to want to do it. And you got, you can't just be lazy. Cause again, we work in a client based business where I can't have you coming in and not pitching our clients. Cause if you pitch clients, you're going to get them booked on shows. It's, it's going to be inevitable. But if you don't do that, last thing I want is a client coming to me and me and like, Hey, why aren't we getting booked on shows? And it's like, uh, you know, that's a, that's an uncomfortable conversation that that's happened, uh, you know, a couple of times since I've been running the company.
1: Oh, ouch. So how do you usually handle that conversation?
0: Usually just have to be upfront about them. You know, probably the recent one is probably back in August or September where I had an employee. She was working with us for five, six months, doing fine, Gave her a new client. And all of a sudden she just disappears for two weeks. Oh, Uh, and then you know I didn't didn't see it coming and she she'd been doing a good job nothing like no red flags had come up and I had to hop on a call with my client and I had to be like I'm very sorry you know I I hadn't expected it you know is there anything I can do and luckily you know I was still working with the client he's he's been a great client of ours giving us referrals so it's more just being upfront and honest and and letting them know because the typical person we work with has their own business and I think they can understand that sometimes it's a it's a little bit tricky when dealing with employees, especially when all of a sudden they go from communicating with you for six months to just falling off the face of the earth. I guess, is
1: there, there's only so much you can do about that, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. she wanted to take a vacation, I imagine you would have said, you know, oh, great, thanks for letting me know or something along those lines. It's the lack of communication that's a problem. I mean, maybe there's nothing you could have done. I don't yeah.
0: Know. And that's, and that's the biggest thing. Like if I, I had um, one employee, she worked with us for a little while and, Decided she wanted to go do something else, but in this particular instance, she let me know a month beforehand. She trained the new employee that we were bring that we were bringing on. Like she was super helpful, like uh, like that. That's a good instance. The bad instance is was when a client just or when an employee leaves for two weeks and then just you know says, "Oh, sorry, you know something happened, something came up." I I couldn't take a minute of my life to email you or or message you on Slack or Basecamp or whatever it may be, and, and that's a that's probably the most frustrating thing as a as a business owner, especially when you have a business where I know I'm able to provide a good quality of service, and just trying to build a team, I think it's probably one of the, one of the hardest things is just finding good talent. You know, there's so many people, especially right now in the pandemic, that want to get a job that are looking to get work, and then I do hire them, and then they just for whatever reason just can't do a good job, which <laughs> just it amazes me. It's it's crazy how that's the hardest thing of a business owner is for me is is finding good talent rather than finding clients.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. That's really interesting. I wonder about, so what's up next for you? You know, I I can see you from a, from a podcaster standpoint, I think there are a number of, let's say maybe add on services you Mm -hmm. could provide or, you know, value added things where, you know, if somebody's not comfortable being interviewed, maybe interviewee training, or I don't know, things like that. Are you, do you have your mind on anything like that? Or is it, you know, laser focused on, this is what we do. We get you booked and that's what we're focusing on.
0: I think I'm focusing on creating a course and I want that to be more passive where like right now I, I have to talk to a client. I have to set up a client. We have to book, you know, we have to pitch client, get them booked on on shows. And I'm sort of looking for more of a passive income stream where I can sell this course at any time. I don't have to hop on a call. No one has to manage them. They can self sort of teach it. And I think I think that's sort of the next steps because again, our, you know, our prices start at 3000 you know, creating a course and selling it for Four ninety seven, you know, and, and giving away everything that we do, and and someone can do what our company does, but they do it themselves. I think that's sort of the next step. and that's something that I think that I would like to do because, you know, there's no real passive income in the business that I run now. Where it would just be nice to have an additional income stream uh, coming in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's value added too, right? Because you know, even as a podcaster, right? I've done as an interviewer at this point probably over two hundred interviews with, with my other podcast combined. And yeah, well over 200 interviews, but being an interviewee, I mean, I still get nervous about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I've done a lot of these things, at least, you know, from the other side of the chair, I can see there's there's value in helping people, you know, really get that, get comfortable and prepared and, you know, really know what they want to talk about with uh, with the audience.
0: Oh, almost oh, certainly, and that's I think something that a lot of people run into. And I'd say my best piece of advice would, for that would just be to get get started. I think a lot of the times, like we'll, we'll take on clients, they have a phenomenal story. They've been they've never been on a podcast, and like the biggest worry is like being uncomfortable. I think that's something like the more more interviews you do, like the more comfortable that you're going to become. And you know, it's uh, it's like anything else. It's just a conversation. Like the like you know, Taylor, you're not going to ask me like super hard questions. It's not like you're interrogating me, and you make my you make my make my business want to sound bad. Like that's not what you're here for. You're, you're here to, you know, so us to have a conversation where we can provide value to your audience. And I think that's, that sometimes people get the, don't look at it that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're, we're live streaming on YouTube now. So if I asked you a hard question and you accidentally answered it, it would, it would already be out in the ether. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, we've had occasions where folks asked us to cut stuff and that's fine. I I don't have any, any problem with that. You know, that's. Part of the game, but um, yeah, I mean, I yeah, you know, I want to commend you for taking that action and and building such a cool business. And you know, I think for you know folks out there that who are real estate investors looking to grow, being a guest on podcasts is a a great way to do it. Frankly, probably even better than hosting a podcast. Mm-hmm. Getting on other people's podcasts is maybe a uh, a, a better, more effective strategy. But uh, yeah, that's great, and I'm I'm glad to see you know you're capitalizing on uh, this this new industry. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Trevor, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education?
0: Best investment i made other than my education? I'm just I think it's got to be, I know it might sound like education, but probably coaching. And that's like the biggest thing that, that helped me grow my business. And the problem I had for the longest time was accountability where I'd get these ideas and how I wanted to grow the business. And I could never, I didn't like, if I didn't get it done, if I didn't get a goal done in a certain week or a certain month, there was no one to hold me accountable where, whereas I have a weekly coaching call every week and we go over my goals every single week and how we're hitting them. I find that that's the best investment I made and being able to tap into someone where they're able to share their expertise of, you know, 50 years, you know, my, my mentor is, you know, not a little bit older than me. Probably he's probably, I've never asked his age, but he's probably in his fifties or sixties. So he, he's probably 40 years older than me and being able to tap into his knowledge is, uh, is pretty great. And, and when I look back on it, I would rather have spent probably, probably at this point, I probably spent like two or 3000 working with him. Probably would have been a, a better investment than I spent uh 90,000 going to college. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, as a follow-up to that, where does a guy, you know, in your business, we you know, in the real estate space, we can find all the coaches and everything, but in your business, where do you find uh, a coach that can help you with that?
0: So I actually just, I just went on Upwork. I, I couldn't, it was one of those things I was like, I can't figure out a coach and you type in business coach on Google and you get like the ones that are don't you know, join the mastermind program for 50,000. I'm like, I that's not the, that's not what I'm looking for. So I just went on Upwork. I typed in business coach. I got I don't know, 10, 15 applicants found the five best interviewed with them. And that's basically how I was able to find it and just look at their profiles. And, you know, my coach, you know, the one I work with, like he does not in the podcasting industry, but he worked, he worked for a while. He was, um, he would buy companies, make them better, and then sell them. So he had like a ton of experience cool. in all these different industries. Um, I forget exactly exactly what the name of it was, but you know, it was just cool, you know, working with someone like that. And again, I, I meet with him every week and he's been super beneficial for the business.
1: Awesome. That's great. I, I love that Upwork is, uh, <laughs> <the answer laughs> where to find one. that's awesome. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made?
0: I would say the worst investment I probably made is being too cheap in my business. When it comes to hiring, I always thought that I could get away being cheap and, you know, not spending a lot on my employees. And after about a year of trying to hire employees, I realized going cheap isn't the easiest. So, you know, I've seen ads for hiring a VA for $3 an hour and, you know, and it sounds nice, but I realized that it just wasn't working for my business. So when I paid a better wage, I made more investment in my employees. The the company did a lot better. So if I could go back and instead of making bad investments in my employees, making good investments by paying them actually what they're worth and hiring good quality talent would, uh, would have been a little bit better.
1: Nice. Nice. That's a a good lesson to learn. Tough to learn it the hard mm-hmm. way, but uh, now you know. My favorite question here at the end of the show is: What is the most important lesson you've learned in business and
0: investing? I would say the most important lesson I've learned is just pick yourself up from failures. You know, whenever I look back at any business that I've started, there's been numerous failures, even in this podcasting you business that I now run. There's there's been failures all along the way from hiring the wrong employees. And then, you know, that leads me to hiring the right employees, you know, hire or taking on the wrong clients. And, you know, just looking back, I can always see the failures and, and where they came into place. And it's just not letting those failures define me. And I think that's a big thing. And, and anyone that's looking to build a business or make more money for themselves here, you're, you're gonna make bad investments. But if you look at them as learning opportunities, then they're definitely gonna be able to help you down the road. Nice. Well, Trevor, thank you for joining us
1: today. Uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, if they want to find your business because they want to get on podcasts or any of that gr- great stuff, uh, where can they find you?
0: Sure. So they can go to Podcasting You. So it's slash real-estate-investors. Nice. Awesome.
1: Well, Trevor, thanks once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and it helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. As I said a little bit earlier, we are now live streaming this interview on YouTube and all our interviews on YouTube. So look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, the notification bell and smash the like button. Hopefully we will see you on a live interview here soon. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.